You know what time it is. Time for another train wreck. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a podcast exploring church revitalization, church planting, and other Southern Baptist goodies for your ear holes. I'm Matt Hensley, the pastor of May Hill Baptist, and today I promise you I will be able to say the words Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> I'm Kyle Bierman, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Alamogordo, New Mexico, and to my knowledge, I have never flubbed the name Charles Spurgeon there, Matt. But you have flubbed the word defend and defund. That's true, so, and, and, I, and I flubbed asking a question. So Yeah, this is, but, this is true. Uh, but that's but neither both, here there. Oh. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And we're both pastoring fantastic churches in southern New Mexico. Mine's a little better. And we're bringing this podcast to you so that you know what not to do as you learn from Kyle's mistakes. And this podcast is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. So you could say that we are the official podcast of the Word of God. We love the CSB because of its blend of readability and accuracy and encourage you to check it out at csbible.com after the show. Well, Kyle, what are we talking about today? Well, today we are back with Ray Rhodes uh, to conclude our chat about his new book, uh, Susie, The Life and Legacy of Susanna Spurgeon. Uh, Susanna, who is um, the wife of Charles Spurgeon, and Ray's written an excellent biography about her. Called Susie. Yes. I said that. We're back. You that. did. You did. You threw it all up. It's it's all kind of messed up right now. I, I'm still bummed that I couldn't say C.H. Spurgeon. Or I, I've got a list today for some reason. But let's jump right back in. 2018 is a different era. <laughs> era. It is. It's an error, too. It is an some, error. <laughs> some weirdos, here's the error, some weirdos preach from pub tables while sipping pumpkin spice lattes. But what were the most pronounced and difficult pressures of being married to the most famous preacher of the Victorian era and perhaps even of all time? Well, uh, hello again, Matt and Kyle. It's good to see you. You guys uh, must have uh, the, a lot of the same outfit. Uh, you look very similar to you last week. <laughs> you know, I thought I was talking to Steve Lawson for a second with a blue jacket and the red tie, but <laughs> uh, these guys do not have on blue jackets and red ties, though, I should say. Uh, you'll edit that out, so that's good. No, we won't. <laughs> No, we don't have it. <laughs> That's the problem. So the, I can't even talk good today. The, the unique challenges to being married to Spurgeon was the question, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, well, there were several, uh, as uh, we mentioned a little bit in the last week's uh, podcast, uh, Spurgeon's fame was skyrocketing uh, early and pretty early in their relationship. The church is filling up. Spurgeon is getting requests to preach. Uh, all over the place. Uh, he's, uh, he's writing, uh, he's gone from home increasingly. And that was one of the early stresses that Susie felt even after she had made the commitment to not be a hindrance. Uh, one day he was about to leave for a journey and, and, uh, she started crying a bit, not in complaint or in defiance or anything, just, she was sad. And, uh, Spurgeon, uh, talked to her about that and talked to her about the sacrifice of, of ministry and, and she received that well, and it was not a rebuke from Spurgeon so much as it was just a gentle reminder of the life that God had called them to. But she missed him all of her marriage, uh, and she would sit behind his desk and do her own writing and her own work as much as she could there. And while she was sitting behind his desk looking at his stuff, she thought of him, and she writes a lot about those experiences in his study 
uh, writing. Uh, so that was it. But uh, both of them suffered from physical affliction, Susie and then Charles uh, as well, pretty early on. I mean, Su is Charles always, I think, uh, well, you know, always is a long time, but um, early in his London life, uh, even pre-London, he suffered with depression at some level after uh, the great music hall disaster that probably most of your listeners are familiar with that happened in uh, October of 1856. He, he uh, fell into severe depression and he suffered from severe depression the rest of his life, but he fought it uh, by faith. He didn't, he was not content to sort of live in the slough of despond. He, he fought his way out by faith and prayer and, and he never lost the faith. And he was a very joyful man in the midst of such suffering, but he suffered from uh, essentially inflammation of the kidneys, uh, gout, uh, as well as other sicknesses, and that contributed to his weight issues. He was overweight, uh, and he died. And he was involved in five major controversies in his ministry that are cataloged in Ian Murray's book, *The Forgotten Spurgeon*, which is must must reading. And the last controversy, uh, Susie believed, cost him his life: the downgrade controversy in the late 1800s. So, just some of the pressures that she felt as his wife. Yeah. Wow. And early on, financial challenges, believe it or not. I mean, uh, they were a young minister, ministry family, and Spurgeon was giving, they were giving money away to help train ministers early on as well. So, yeah. Wow. Um, well, all three of us are parents. Um, I have two kids. Matt has four. And, and you have uh, some kids that are young. And then as we talked about last week, you, you recently uh, had a daughter that got married as well. And so in light of the importance that we all place on our children and our families and our ministry, what influence did Susanna have in, in raising up the two Spurgeon sons to be in ministry? Yeah. Uh, well, in some ways she had the greater influence because uh, she was with them more often. Now they adored, they revered uh, their dad. Uh, son Charles, Charles Jr., if you will, he was asked by one of his friends, a, a biography, biographer, if he would write a biography of his dad. And he said he couldn't because uh, hero worship was too much of a threat. And he, he didn't feel he could write an objective biography because he, he uh, so revered his father. Uh, and yet uh, there's also discussion in some uh, books that uh, a bit of distance at times between Charles and the boys, not because of a lack of love, but just the nature of, of Charles's life and ministry. Uh, but uh, he, he loved the boys, but Susie uh, cared for them most of all. And when they were young, uh, Susie uh, was not often able to attend on Sunday evening. She would stay home with the boys and train them in the faith. And she played the piano. She would sing with them, uh, but she wouldn't allow them to sing uh, portions of uh, hymns that declared uh, that there was as if a Christian's making a confession of faith. Uh, because she wanted them to be people of integrity. And uh, she, uh, la they, they later rejoiced to be able to sing the full hymn, and not just portions of it as they came to faith in Christ. But neither of them came to faith. The moment of conversion was not uh, at Susie or Charles's feet, but others led them to Christ like that. Both uh, give their parents great credit, and both, would say, both said, uh, in essence, that they really owe their salvation, humanly speaking, to their mother, Susie. Yeah. Uh, so she taught them the word, she prayed for them, and she led them to Christ, though not at the moment of conversion. 
My question really goes back to maybe kind of the very beginning. Uh, we know that they were obviously raised in particular manners, all of that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, Rebecca and I were, were set up essentially on a blind date at a Denny's. And the wedding was planned by the end of that day, uh, that date, not by my choice, but by the people that had set us up on that trip. And it was the most awkward two or three hours of my life. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, their story is a little better, a little more romantic, uh, or maybe a little more special uh, than a Denny's while drinking sweet tea uh, and eating pie. Tell, tell us how Charles and Susie met and, and just got everything underway in the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, and if you had gone to a Waffle House, it probably would have been more romantic. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> So we uh, in Georgia, we highly recommend Waffle House. I guess you guys have those out there too, don't you? Somewhere. We do. Okay, good. That's important to clarify early on in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, actually, Susie's first impression of Charles was not favorable. Uh, she was not. She was not a member of the New Park Street Chapel, but she had, had attended with her parents some. Uh, she was at the home of one of the deacons and leaders of the church and his family and. They went on Sunday morning, but she did not go. The first time Charles preached at the tabernacle, just as a guest preacher, uh, and the church was without a pastor. So this is December the 18th, 1853. Uh, Charles is there Sunday morning, Sunday night. Sunday morning, he's not impressed. He's ready to get out of there. He wants to go back to Water Beach where his people loved him, and they were warm. There's more people at the little village church in Water Beach than the historic uh, Baptist church in London, once the largest church in England. Uh, largest Baptist church in England, but had declined to just a couple of hundred people and not even that many there at the service when Charles spoke. But Thomas Olney, the, the deacon and his family she was staying with, they, their family was excited about Spurgeon's morning sermon. And so they went out in the afternoon and gathered people to come back and almost, you know, just about fill the place up and brought Susie with them. They got her to come. She was not, she didn't really, really want to go, but she loved them. So she went on their account because she had heard reports of the morning service. You got to understand, uh, probably you guys probably can relate to this. Uh, Susie was cultured. She was highly educated. She was refined. She was a city girl. London and Paris was the sort of air that Susie breathed. Uh, and so Charles was none of those things. He was a country boy raised in the uh, raised in Puritan country. Uh, and he loved his grandfather's farm. He was more at home on his grandfather's farm than he was in any city. So he's a country boy. He doesn't have the kind of clothes that Susie has. He doesn't have the manners that she has. He doesn't have the accent that she has <laughs> even. Uh, and his hair looks funny. He says bizarre thing in her mind, bizarre th things from the pulpit. They're just uncouth. Uh, <laughs> and she just, she doesn't appreciate it because she's used to very refined more refined pastors at the historic New Park Street Chapel. So she uh, she doesn't understand that why folks are so excited about him. And later she testifies it was because of her own spiritual coldness. So, but she writes about his hair. She writes about his tie, his handkerchief that he waved in the air, you know, like the old, like the old time Baptist preachers would do. <laughs> and uh, just offend, offended by him. So that's December. So let's let's move this down the road quickly. From so December by April, this is when Spurgeon has learned, and so the people love him at New Park Street. They invite him to come back. He's still the pastor in, uh, north of London in Water Beach, 
Uh, and eventually he's there sort of on a trial basis at, at his request. But by April, he becomes the, um, the, the formal pastor of the New Park Street Chapel, and he's left Water Beach at that time. But the, about the, a week before he becomes the pastor, he's learned of Susie's condition. Uh, he gives her a book. He inscribes it uh, to Susie with, uh, you know, prayers for your progress in faith. And uh, she begins to grow and spend more time with him. And he's counseling her, helping her with her spiritual struggles. But no hint of romance in any of that. And it seems that Susie's pretty unaware of any feelings that he may have been developing during that time. So we've got April. Now we, we come to June. There's the opening of the Crystal Palace, the great exhibition in South London. A group from the church are going to go, uh, go to that and watch uh, the grand procession that night. Charles and Susie are there with the group. They're not there together. They, they happen to be seated together. Now that could have been arranged. Spurgeon was a very sly guy like that. And you'll see in a moment. But uh, he, uh, as they're sitting there, he whispers in her ear, and he's holding a book, Martin Tupper's Proverbial Philosophy, and he opens to a page with a, a little poem called Own Marriage, and it talks about praying for your futures, praying for your spouse. And Charles whispered to Susie, do you pray for him who is to be your husband? Now, she got it. In instantly, she knew what he was saying. Her face turned red. Her heart started beating rapidly. Uh, Spurgeon said, could we take a little walk? You know, and uh, so they made their way away from their group and the crowd. And they walked outside and walked down by the lake where there's these uh, uh, extinct creature models that were early dinosaur models that are still there, by the way. You can walk by and see the same place. She talks about how love bloomed that night. And uh, again, her rapid heartbeat, her, her, her blushed face, all the excitement that she felt. So April, she's struggling spiritually. June, Charles has revealed his feelings for her. Move up to August, he asked her to marry him in her grandfather's garden. So we're not even a year from when she thought he was a country bumpkin. to now she's saying <laughs> yes, and she goes upstairs and prays and thanks God for the love of such a good man. Uh, so, so there, I mean, that's, that's just a little bit of their yeah. love story wow. as it started all within less than a year. This has happened. And, um, now, now in your book, you refer to Susie as the great sufferer. Yeah. And, and what, what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, that, uh, that phrase, I, I pulled from, I think Charles Ray, and it should be in quotes in the book. <laughs> and, but she uh, was a great sufferer. Uh, she, they were married 1856, and from all accounts, uh, she was relatively healthy. Uh, they had twins in October of that year. Uh, some argue that she began suffering soon after that, but I, I, I don't accept that argument. And the reason I don't is because there are accounts of Susie traveling with Charles and hiking across the Alps. So typically people with uh, bad health or great sufferers are not hiking the Alps. And that was, I mean, I almost fell out of my chair when I started reading about Susie Spurgeon mountain hiking the Alps. Spurgeon now, he's in the carriage with his, uh, you know, his editor or someone that, you know, talking theology or books. <laughs> and Susie's out in front of the uh, carriage, you know, looking at the sights and, mm -hmm. and uh, talking about how much she enjoys uh, walking the Alps. Uh, so that kind of stuff is going on until, uh, you know, 1856 or so. 
uh, and I've got her church records around this time, and she's active in church. Uh, but in 1867, her activity begins dropping off, and it's noted, I believe, then, then that she's sick. And by 1868, her traveling days are over. Basically, her church attendance is over. Uh, she's suffering intense pain. We were not, I mean, I tried every way that I could to discern exactly what type of physical problems she had. Uh, everyone asked me that question. I couldn't figure it out completely, except for this. Uh, she was, she had surgery by one of the most famed gynecologists of that time. And so we're, we're almost certain it was some sort of female issue. They never had children again, and likely they would have because children were very valued in that culture. And Charles and Susie loved that. And she suffered from 1868 till 1903 when she died. Her mother died young. Her mother died at 57. Her aunt died young. So it could have been a, some hereditary disease. And maybe because of Susie's surgery and other things, she was able to live longer until 70 or 71 that she lived to. Uh, but she suffered. Now, now it got somewhat better but around the time of Spurgeon's death. She uh, made a great trip with him and uh, had a great time uh, until he died. And uh, But she continued to suffer throughout. Mm -hmm. yep. And I, th I think that's a, a good time to ask this question because we try to remember the need to lighten up. You know, church is stressful. Uh, we may battle uh, depression or splits or whatever it might be in the church or in our home, whatever, all, all the different things that can weigh down a ministry. So we, we try, and that's one of the reasons we have this podcast, to help pastors lighten up just a little bit, to take ministry seriously, but not ourselves too seriously. And in the book, you described the marriage of Susanna and Charles as quote unquote fun. Uh, what is it about their marriage that bred so much life and enjoyment and, and quote unquote fun into it? Because I suspect it's not going to be like me dousing, you know, cold water over the shower uh, or giving my wet, my wife a wet willy, things like that. Like she's not a fan of that. That's not how she would describe it. Fun. So how would you say, what, what was it about their marriage that bred so much life and enjoyment and fun into it all? Yeah. Uh, well, as I, I think I mentioned earlier, they uh, they love to be together, and uh, they would talk and walk and laugh. Spurgeon, uh, I mean, I, I read a Spurgeon sermon to our church on Sunday night. I've never done that before. I told them that I was doing it, and they were mesmerized by that. I think they want me to do that every time now. Uh, they think it's much, much better. But as I'm reading that, I'm picking up throughout, as you have reading, reading Spurgeon, the humor uh, that... Uh, he, he was a very funny guy and he loved to laugh and he could tell a great job, very appropriate. I mean, he wasn't inappropriate, but uh, he was criticized at one point in his ministry for his uh, humor. And he said to the person, he said, if you knew how much I uh, hold back that I want to say, you would commend me for my humor. <laughs> <laughs> so his humor the fact that they both were well-read, they had so many things that they could discuss at such a level. They, uh, they, they both enjoyed, Susie increasingly enjoyed the countryside. Um, so just, they love being together. They, uh, they learned to, uh, cult they cultivated their love by spending that time together when he was in town, by writing love letters to one another when they were away. They never stopped courting. In fact, one of the early academic uh, studies on well, not one of the earliest, but it was one of the, yeah, one of the few academic biographies of Spurgeon. 
uh, done, I think, in the early 80s by Patricia Kruppa. It's not, I mean, it's not necessarily great, but it's got some good pieces in it. She, uh, she argues, I mean, not argues, but she, she mentions, I'm still in the doctoral program, I'm arguing everything. I, she argues, you know, she's defending, but <laughs> she, uh, she points to the fact that even as they were older, they were like two teenagers in love walking hand in hand at the Crystal Palace the way they did the night Spurgeon shared his feelings for her. So they just never got over the wonder of their love and marriage uh, to each other. Yeah. They kept it fresh. Yeah. Um, all right, Ray. So as we close here, um, what is Susanna's lasting legacy? And I'm, here, here's the challenge in one sentence. So, sum up her legacy in one sentence. Yeah. That's what my folks want me to do at church when I preach. <laughs> Matt's too. That's yeah, definitely. <laughs> her legacy is that she poured her heart and life in extending her husband's legacy. That's what she wanted to do more than anything else. Yeah. That's awesome. Wonderful. Well, that, that really can't be the last question, though, Kyle, because we need to tell our folks where they can buy Susie, the life and legacy of Susanna Spurgeon. So, Ray, where, where can people find, find this wonderful book? Well, I want to say, first of all, Matt, have, have you heard of Lifeway? I, I, I'm vaguely familiar, vaguely familiar. They, they've been asking me to be the president uh, recently. Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, I'm trying to do a little research. They, they better not ask me for a recommendation. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did you put me on the resume uh, for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, and you and I, I, I think you guys have been lifelong Southern Baptists as I have. I was born in Southern Baptist Church, and and so far they've not kicked me out of Southern Baptist <laughs> That could happen at any moment. Uh, but Lifeway, we appreciate that. I, I want to mention them first because I know they're a huge part of this program through you, CSB Bible, which you guys are CSB only, right? Uh, you guys, yeah. <laughs> right? We, like, we've burned all of our I, other... No, I'm just kidding. I don't know just what kidding. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> if we wanted to give a shout out to Lifeway and CSB, I'm sure that no one would mind uh, in your world. So thankful, I'm thankful for Lifeway. I think they're going to feature Susie in some way uh, when it's uh, released very soon. Uh, but also, if you go to SusieSpurgeon.com, uh, you get a lot of resources there, as well as how to buy the book in various places and, and ways that you can do that. And we're going to put all of that in the the show notes as well, and and where they can follow you on on Twitter. Uh, well, I I've really enjoyed that because I wake up in the morning, kind of go through the the Susie uh, Twitter profile and read some of the little stories that you throw uh, throw in there, the quotes or whatever. That that kind of wet my appetite for uh, the book, and then got to read that. That that was really wonderful. And so we'll throw all of that in the show notes, and so check that out. And I definitely do not want to. But it is time to jump off of the train until next time. We're grateful that you took the time to listen in today. And we hope that you learned a lot about the life of Susanna Spurgeon over the last uh, few weeks and, and perhaps whet your appetite to go out and, and buy that book. But if you liked what you heard, we also ask for your support in giving us a five-star review so we keep these coming to your ear holes. You can visit us online at www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast or on Facebook under Not Another Baptist Podcast. But until next time, send us out. Until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank, Thank you, you, Ray. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.